So you have your prototype. Are you ready to enter the market? What do you need to know to move your product efficiently? How can you funnel your product from your office to the end user without losing momentum? Cracking the code to distribution here at the MedTech Business Academy. Joining us today from the MedTechSpert team are... Hi, my name is Mike Sperduti and I am the CEO of Emerge Sales. Hi, I'm Scott Alexander, CEO of Gyrus Marketing. This is Skender Darity, CEO of the Clinician Exchange. I'm Barbara Strain, principal and owner of Barbara Strain Consulting. Great. Well, welcome back or welcome for the first time to uh, getting your MBA with the MedTechSperts. So just a quick reminder of what we do and why we're here is uh, we have experts from across the industry, the medical device industry, um, talking about what's new, how do we help folks get access and see the growth that they're looking for uh, for their company. So um, today we're going to talk about distribution. I think we're going to kind of wrap up a little bit on the GPO uh, conversation we just had. Didn't listen to that uh, podcast. We recommend going back to the archives and taking a, taking a listen to that. Um, but I guess to start us off, Mike, um, you were going to talk us through a framework that you think about as a company should be looking at distribution. So do you want to lead us off? Sure. So if I'm an executive leadership in a medical device company or a technology company, the first thing that I need to make the decision on is, do I need a distributor? And why do I need a distributor? So I need to evaluate that. The second thing I need to look at is, well, what are the different types of distributors that are out there? And what are the pros and cons to those different types? And then the last thing, obviously, is, well, how do I make the right decision for me if I'm a, a startup, if I'm a mid-stage or a late-stage company? So medtech experts, I'll throw it out and uh, let's start talking. So let's start with, do I need a distributor and how do I make that evaluation? Well, Skander, you're up first. Why don't you, why don't you dive in? You can't quite figure out the technology, so you got to have a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, when you work with caveman computers, Scott, I mean, <laughs> that's right. when you're built like a caveman, you might as well play the part, right? Does your computer have like a, like a, a wind-up thing on <laughs> the right, side of right. it? It gets email. That's great. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I, I think the question about distributor, uh, whether you need a distributor or not, really relates to the type of product your life cycle and who your customers are, right? Because there are some circumstances that call for it. Oftentimes, if you work in a post-acute setting or a pre-acute setting, you're almost forced to work with a distributor, i.e. a McKesson or somebody along those lines, because those those offices, et cetera, want to be able to order from one entity and have everything delivered nice and neatly for them rather than getting 150 different packages as much as they want. Um, other times when you're an early stage company, early stage companies oftentimes like to partner with specialty distributors that are regionally focused to really tap into their, tap into their, uh, their networks. Um, and utilize them. And plus, obviously, it's very cost effective because you don't usually have to pay anything upfront to work with them. You pay them based on their ability to move product. So it becomes very cost effective. But then when you get to the world of like the, the, the Medlines, the Cardinals, the Owens, the Miners, I'm going to defer to Barbara and Scott, who probably have a lot more um, experience from the provider side and working with them. But in my past experience, some of those relationships and having to work with them was dictated to me by the provider. So in summary, I think it's very circumstantial as to who and when and what you work with on a distributor side, but that's just my perspective. 
Yeah. So I'll jump in there a little bit. Um, from a provider point of view, uh, when you're having some sort of a meeting with a provider, whether it's live, uh, virtual, whatever, uh, one of the questions you're going to get asked is, do you have a GPO contract? Uh, one of the things you're not, shouldn't say is, no, but I can give you GPO pricing. That's always an inside joke for providers internally. You, you really want to get to know the distributor world. Just like last week, uh, whenever you listen to it, we did a whole GPO. There's all kinds of lingo, all kinds of ways in which you enter into them and those sorts of things. So just like a GPO has diversity programs, innovation programs, new tech categories, even investor uh, programs they're getting into. So leading edge distributors have long ago uh, not gotten a lot of uh, their value by the shrinking margin in distribution. It's really, really small. So they've diversified and they have diversity programs They've got innovator uh, programs now. They have licensing, white labeling. They have a variety of offerings to both uh, suppliers, new tech and, and others to uh, get into markets. And they also have a lot of various programs with uh, inventory management and a variety of other programs for providers. So it's just exploded as a whole other huge industry in addition to moving boxes around. I think distribution really comes down to, uh, it's gonna, you, you talked about this, like the, the provider, the IDN, the customer is gonna dictate how they wanna be dealt with. Um, you know, I, as much as we're all passionate about our product or service or whatever the case might be, the reality is, mercy, we had hundreds of thousands of SKUs coming in on a regular basis. And so anytime you said, hey, by the way, we go through a different kind of distribution, that's a level of complexity that in many cases could be a deal stopper, right? Like we don't want to deal with that. So we're going to figure out something else. So I think you have to appreciate where the IDNs are coming from. The, I'm, I'm kind of where where you were going, Mike, I, I don't know if this is what you're leading to, but like to the extent that you can get away from distribution or other, other things, like I'm a fan of owning your own destiny just personally. And so, you know, if you can get away with it without having one, I, I would, um, but you're probably going to get forced in that, uh, in that direction. Um, well, you also, other have to, you also have to carry the expense there too, right? I mean, so yeah. part of it is, you know, if you're going to do distribution, there's all those distribution expenses and there's also the sales and marketing expenses that typically go with it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I always look at in evaluating a distributor is there are two different distributors in my mind. There are box movers mm -hmm. and there are market makers, right? So the, like the McKessons and the Cardinals, they move boxes, right? So if you have an innovative technology you just created you know, something that's game-changing, that's going to take a procedural change, or it's going to be different for the physician or the market, you're going to need a different sales organization than a McKesson or a Cardinal. So I think one of the early, you know, one of the easiest decisions to make in choosing a distributor is, do I need a box mover if I'm a commodity and I'm just selling needles and syringes or Ziploc bags, or am I selling the latest technology to prevent falls and it's a, it's a game-changer? 
Yeah, I, I also think, and, and by the way, I mean, I think there is definitely a role for distribution for the big distributors, right? So McKesson, please don't come after me. Um, but, uh, you know, they make a lot of their money off of private label products as well. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important to understand, again, you're going to be dictated towards here's how we distribute and you got to kind of play ball with that, but understand the game that they're playing is not, they're not going to make their millions off of making sure that your widget gets through the system. They're going to have a lot more, you know, they're going to be trying to push towards their own private label products and that sort of thing. So there is, there's that inherent conflict of interest that we just have to acknowledge in the industry that you got to look out for. And that's where you have to know all the jargon because you have to know that they're also manufacturers as well as service providers, as well as distributors. So Mm -hmm. you have to know which or all or whatever you're going to play in the sandbox. Yep. Mike, I I like the way you term that into the two categories of box movers and market makers. I guess what's been your experience? One of you found success or, or heard of a success story working with a market maker type of distributor and who, who are they? So these would be your, you know, more times than not, they're regional distributors. So, you know, there were companies like Tacy Medical and back in the day, I had a company called Medic ACS um, and all these companies, you know, they specialize in a particular market segment. So we specialized in the alternate site infusion marketplace. So if so one of the, you know, we launched a lot of different products for companies where we had exclusivity to, for representing their products because we were breaking like the first pre-filled syringe into the marketplace back in the day, or one of the first elastic numeric pumps back in the day, or one of the or a different mechanical pump. So you know, when you're fighting the market, the, the leaders, right, and you have a new idea. Well, you know, the big guys aren't interested in you because they're making their money already. You know, you're, you're there as a new company to take share away. So you then need to have a specialized sales force that can go in and know exactly what that customer does and how they do it and why they do it that way and who they're doing it with. So ultimately, you can position that pro- your product and technology better than the, than the other guys. And that's a different salesperson than a McKesson, which McKesson has a great value providing total cost of procurement and efficiencies by bundling orders. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I've seen it work and there are some really great distributors that have that in-depth knowledge on both product and also market and relationships. So Mike, you've got a unique perspective on this. And I think this is where most of the early stage companies that I talk to stumble with, uh, with their relationship with regional distributors how do I keep and get their attention, right? Because you're carrying and representing so many different products. Yes, it may be focused in one modality or one specialty or one department, yet it's still one of those things where, and the typical distributor mentality, specialty distributor mentality is how do I get the most bang for my buck going from point A to point B with the least resistance? Mm -hmm. And now you bring in this new product, some of the distributors sell you the world. And they tell you, ah, oh, we're going to crush this. This is going to be, we're going to go from zero to a hundred million dollars in sales in two weeks. And then, you know, you find out four months later, they, they barely talked about your product. So yes. from your perspective, how do they gain your attention? So 
the first thing is, so am I evaluating the distributor to carry my product at this point? Is that the, what we're going through? Right evaluating now? which distributor to go with. And yeah. then once you've worked with them, how do you, how do you get, keep them like motivated? So, yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of things. So number one is you're going to look at, you're buying their brand ultimately, right? The distributor of what you're buying is the relationships that they already have with the decision makers that you're trying to sell to. So, they, so they're walking you right into the meetings and they have their friends because they're representing other products and already selling other products to that decision maker. So the first thing is, do they have the relationships and, and do they have the expertise? Once you validate that, and the way to do that is, you know, before you sign the agreement, have them walk you through to a certain number of meetings. So that way you're validating that they actually can deliver the number of meetings that you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is once you've ID'd that, they can do what you need them to do and walk you to the front of the line to the decision maker. You need to make it very appealing for them. And there are two ways to do that. They're smart in their market. So they need to be sold that your product or service is a game changer, is going to revolutionize whatever it is that you're trying to do and make it better for their customer, because that's all they're interested in. They need something different and better and you're buying their relationship. So ultimately, if you sell that distributor, you're going to own their customers because you have to have the confidence that they can translate that to their customers. And then lastly, what we're seeing now is to provide value to those distributors in addition to just the product is, you know, my company Emerge is being hired by these manufacturers of small, really cool products to generate qualified leads for the specialty distributor outside of their network, right? Mm. So now it's, hey, look, I'm to your network, I'm delivering this great product that you can just get in there and we can start moving share. But for the relationships you don't have in your geography, you give me a list of those and I'll provide qualified leads. So in a nutshell, that's how that would work. Yeah, great point, Mike. And what new tech and others need to know when they're making their decision and before they sign the contract, read it over really well because there's a lot of hidden costs and uh, fees and sharebacks and all kinds of things in the background that the provider or the whatever healthcare setting doesn't really know is going on, but that may do something to the price or maybe some fees that will be a trade-off to the provider because the distributors really just pass them through. So there's some exchange of other uh, costs and things behind the scenes for the manufacturer. So what do you do if you've got more of a commodity? Like, I don't want to say gauze because like there you're, don't, but um, <laughs> what do you do if you have something that really isn't, a game changer. How do you how do you so, approach the market? So I'll give you my favorite. So when I started in this business, nobody would let me in because I didn't graduate college. I don't have a background in, in this business. So I had to kind of force my way in. Yeah. And so the way I got into the business was I approached this distributor and they wouldn't hire me because, you know, I didn't have the background. So I said, look, you don't have to pay me a salary. Just give me a percentage of sales. And give me the easiest, dumbest product to sell because I don't know anything about the industry. And you know what they gave me? Uh, Ziploc bags. <laughs> Ooh, they, well, bags are a big deal. Totally. 
And so I told my father who wanted me to go back to college, he's like, would you please go back to college? I'm like, dad, you don't understand. I'm going to be the king of the Ziploc. Bag. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thought I was cracked, but anyway, and I probably am, but I still went for it anyway. And so long story short is I evaluated the market using the telephone to figure out, you know, the, the quantities and the volumes. And then we started aggregating that information and we started approaching uh, the manufacturers to give us certain price points to bid on GPO contracts. And so then we got the GPO contracts and then we got the distributors with the McKessons and the Cardinals because we had the contracts. We then got our product loaded into their system. And then we used my inside sales approach to call the members of the GPO to tell them about these sexy things called Ziploc bags that we had on contract. <laughs> and we did have the best price and it was available through the, the, the distribution channel they were already using. So we were dropping a million dollars to the bottom line very quickly with Ziploc bags using that approach. And so that's, a I think, a good example of a commodity and how you might be able to uh, explore. Totally. Yeah. I love it. I, I think our next audio drop is going to be Ziploc King. <laughs> there we go. Mike, the Ziploc King, Spruity. Yeah. yeah. Was that, no, that from Ferris Story, Mike. Uh, when Ziploc bags, you know, come up as a category, and internally in the in the provider world I was in, it's a big deal because you have to have labs weigh in, you have to have the people who run the tube system weigh in, and the people who do reference lab and shipping, and you have requirements by the the federal uh, shippers and everything else, and biochemical you know designs on it and everything. So it's a great industry. But I'll tell you, once you get the GPO contract, you get the buyer to buy the Ziploc bag and you get the relationship with McKesson and you put all that together, which is really yeah. hard. But mm -hmm. when you have it, it's really hard to get displaced because who the hell is going to go through that activity for totally. Ziploc bags or Q-tips or whatever, right? So yeah, for those right. of you who are in that business, crack the code and you'll be in that. We had that business until we sold it. And that was like we had 20, a 20 year run on that. Yeah, so that's great. If you're, let's just say you're, you're new to the market, right? You're, you got your Ziploc bags. Now we're going to go and um, we're going to come into the, uh, the, the world of healthcare. How long does it take to get a good distributor agreement, right? Just months, years, days. Like, what does that look like? What's that process look like? What do you mean by get a good distributor agreement? I mean, uh, if you're getting into this, here's, here's what I see. So here's my, my thinking behind the, the contract. Uh, the question we talked with a lot of international companies trying to come to the US and right the perception is hey we're going to get a, a distributor agreement with McKesson or with Medline in like a week or two and it's going to be a good agreement that sort of thing so I'm just curious to get y'all's take on like how long does it take to get that kind of an agreement and how many cycles do you need to negotiate through to feel like you've actually got a good deal you know, I think from my experience with those guys, once we had our ducks in a row with the GPO, we also had volume commitments from the members already uh, buttoned down. It was fairly quick. I mean, you know, we had a contract within 60 to 90 days around that time frame. So I think if you're talking and sort of carve out the GPO piece, because the if you if you sort of back into the distributor upfront, 
and don't do the GPO up front, there's ways to do that if you've got something that can go through distribution, especially even if it's a specialty distributor, because those uh, are, are a, a more interesting group, as Mike was talking about, because the large Owens and McKessons, Cardinals and all, when you've got certain products, it, it may take a little longer, but I think with those specialties, but there's a lot of things you need to know and understand. The cycle could be short if you don't understand a lot of things and can go back and forth on the negotiation. Hmm. I think within, I'm, I'm thinking months versus, you know, spending years, but you have to have that right fit of customers because the distributor won't take it on if it's only going to take up a small little spot in their warehouse and they may get an order once every two months. Mm -hmm. There's the churn you have to go through to make it distributor worthy. And they have to have at least, you know, two pools or more a month to make mm -hmm. it worth their while to take up space because someone else could take up that space that's going to churn through pools every week mm -hmm. that's going to intensify what's going to be the value to the distributor. So that's why you need to know all the ins and outs of everything, because if you're going to come to them and you go, hey, I've got this really great product and I don't want to go through GPO and thing. I want to just do things with the distributor. And they start saying, well, how many you know, turns are you going to have a month and all this sort of thing? And if you don't know all that information and you come up short, you're going to be thinking that I was going to have this made in a couple of months and start selling. And now it's months and months and months because you've not gotten it right. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that a lot of people think um, they're, they get, they feel like they get stuck in a chicken, chicken and the egg kind of a thing. It's like, I can't sell to Saint somewhere because I don't have a GPO or I don't have a distribution agreement. I don't have a distribution agreement. I don't have a GPO agreement. Like all these things, like, what do I, what do I break first? Um, and so yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm kind of with the mindset of like sell the, IDN, get them wanting your product and then find the distribution and kind of work backwards. The challenge with that is it just takes a lot more legwork, right? It does. Yep. That's why they're working with the distributors is to hopefully create yep. targeted mm -hmm. audiences that they can speak to, you mm -hmm. know, rather than trying to knock on every door and find that target. Right. That's the challenge. Yep. Yep. And I think we've probably experienced clients in all of those chicken and egg categories, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to get the best fit that's going to produce a chick <laughs> as, yes. as fast as possible, right? So it's like what I, I talk about it as being a chasm between manufacturing, supply providers, distributors, GPOs, that's why we're talking about all these things in the first number of episodes, because you've got to know where does that align, but what kind of data, what kind of infrastructure, what kind of business plan do I have to have in order to make it here and there? And what's that time to selling? What's that time to market? Yep. Yeah, and Barbara, the other thing that uh, people should be aware of is there's a lot of IT integration that needs mm. to be done in implementing these distribution relationships, especially when you're honoring multiple contracts, either individually or on the GPO level. 
because you know you could be selling you know we would just go back to the ziploc bag example you know we'd have a price to premiere different than we'd have a price to shared services different than we had a price to a marinette mm -hmm. and so you know we would be using distribution to do all of that we might be using the same distributors to sell to all those folks and so you have to have different rebate systems and chargeback programs and that's all IT related. And if you don't have that in place, there's no yeah. way to service, you know, you can't scale any other way. No. no. The providers have all gotten to electronic transfer of all their orders, all their the transaction codes, you know, the 850, 852s, all of those sorts of things. So at a fingertip, you know when that's coming, when the truck's been loaded, when it's gonna come. So there's a lot of infrastructure that they can help you with as well. So you really have to know all those things. It's not just, I'm just gonna go to distributor A and I'm gonna be up and running in you know, a couple months. You, so back to your question, how long it takes, it's how prepared you are is how long it might take. And what, what success looks like, right? I mean, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about, you're gonna have multiple tiers, Mike, you're talking about sort of Premiere and then a Marinette and everything else. Like I, I think about, okay, well, what if, what if you're in a situation where you've got a GPO pricing, then you got a regional GPO, and then you have IDN level pricing, like stuff gets complex, right? And I, I just find that um, in most conversations, people underestimate the amount of time that it takes to set up distribution correctly and set up GPO agreements correctly. And um, what, what inevitably happens is you're the CEO of you know, company X, you've got investors, right? You told them, hey, we're gonna be, we're gonna get FDA approval uh, in June 1st, right? And, and then you realize you've got to go negotiate contracts with distributors and everything else. And what you thought was gonna take you a month is gonna take you six months to get it right. And you start making bad decisions to get to market and as opposed to saying, hey, look, these things take time and you have to have them set up ahead of time. You know, where I, I see that a lot with the international companies trying to penetrate into the U.S. market is just, you know, they have a different, they might have launched the product in whatever their native country is or native continent is. Yep. Understood that they're with the pathways that they have to go through. Usually it's some sort of government contract, find a regional distributor and work with them. And then, you know, typically then it becomes, you just move product, hopefully, right? And then when they come here, they expect it to be the same process. And then they learn about what is truly a bureaucratic system. I mean, it's very bureaucratic in every which way with a mm -hmm. lot of checks. And it just, if, and, you know, so the thing I always tell people, whether they're, their VP of sales and marketing is domestic based or international based, you have to manage up as, I mean, this is in every situation, but especially in those situations, you better be managing up and the expectations up there as much as you are managing down. Mm -hmm. because you know it's going to take the sales cycles are just so long yeah yep. yeah you have to be able to do parallel tracks for all of your stages even if you're in just uh i've got a prototype because you have to know all those other stages to plan the next stage and then the next one to the next one and that sort of thing because if you get to the end and you're holding like, you know, thousands and millions of these things that you produce because you think that I've, I'm in it now, you know, I've got the stream, but you've got so many parallel pathways that that's what we're trying to sort of lay out for everybody is all the parallels. Yep. 
Well, I think, you know, coming back to the circumstantial thing that, that I was saying in the beginning, I think it's one of those things where you have to be honest with yourself and, and really assess your product and your entryway into a market. You know, I mean, just because you think you've got something that's so cool and innovative, is it really that differentiated from the next product? Because if the market doesn't perceive that, I mean, that's a beautiful thing about the free market system, right? The market is the most honest thing there is. And if the market doesn't agree with you that your product is innovative and differentiated and you went down a pathway that is really geared towards innovative and differentiated, you're going to find yourself spinning your wheels pretty quickly. It's funny you say that, Skinner, because I've been involved in a couple of different deals where we've tried to sell our product through a specialty distributor. And what they'll do is they'll say, okay, great, I'll set you up with five meetings so they can see how their best mm -hmm. five customers responds to the technology, the value proposition, and try to weed it out before you even get into a contract discussion. They're like, well, we want to independently evaluate this with our best customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about a win-win, right? Totally. Well, because you're not wasting time that way. I mean, either have, I mean, if you go to your top five customers and this really is a game changer and you're a distributor, you should be at least going three for five, right? I mean, if it's a game changer, if not five for five at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is where things we talked about a long time ago, but those voice of customers, focus groups, you know, you're making something that you think is, and it is leading edge, except no one's prepared for it, right? Either they don't have the infrastructure or they don't have procedures and practice to lead up to that. Others are very willing. You have to find the right partner that if you've got a leading cutting edge that will help to develop those practices and procedures and then help you on the other side. So it's again, chicken and egg. Yeah. Yeah. Think, oh, good, Scott. Sorry. I was just going to say to your point, Barbara, I think it's really important to understand, uh, right. If you're in the belly of the beast, you had your widget, like it's, a, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You can't see it there. there you go. Um, but you got, you got your greatest thing. Um, nobody else knows that it's that great. And you actually mm -hmm. need to go through the exercise to figure out like, why does a GPO care? Why, why does a customer care in the first place? And who are the multiple people in the health system that, you know, assuming you're selling in an IDN. So who are those people? Why do they care? And then why does a distributor care? Why does a GPO care? And right. if you haven't actually thought through that, like mm -hmm. press pause, right? Pause the podcast yeah. and go back and do that and then come back because there's a lot of places when it comes to innovative medical technologies, there's, there's a lot of places where things can fall into cracks. And the only way it doesn't is if, if there are other people who are so hungry for what you've got that they're pulling it across sort of the cracks in the ice. And distribution is one of those things where, I don't know, I've had a lot of conversations, curious if you guys have as well, where you're talking to a manufacturer, they're young, they get a deal with you know, a distributor thinking that the distributor is going to go sell it and then nothing happens. And um, you know, I'm sure that's never happened to you guys, but uh, <laughs> you, know, you get in. And I think that definitely not was, for the Ziploc gang. Never, not for the Ziploc gang. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm dealing with it right now with a yeah. different, a different place and a different uh, industry. But I'm, I'm with a distributor right now that we were very high hopes with, and they told us a good story. And their first nine customers, they knocked it out of the park, and it looked great. And now they are just flatlining. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it does happen. So what do you, what do you do there, Mike? Like what's, what's the, well, should I ask that question or are we afraid the distributor's going to listen? 
No, no, because honestly, we're, it, I'm transparent. We're having those discussions now. And what we're finding is that we're, what the way that they are translating our value proposition is not consistent with how we want them to do it. And that's mm-hmm. why they're missing. So what we ended up doing was going on sales calls with them okay, and then actually working with them to close deals so they can see what we're doing and how we position and then teaching them what to do, because ultimately um, it was just a disconnect between what they were doing versus what they should be doing. And they were open-minded enough to let us come into the process. So we still have work to do, but at least we've identified what the issue is. It's not us, it's just what they're doing. And they're they're actually open-minded to to the fix. That's good. Yeah, value propositions, voice of the customer, all those sort of basic things, we just go around in circles, right? I was talking- Barbara, you could position the best, right? You can come up with the best position, the best rebuttals, the best visual aids. And if people aren't using them, they're, they're not going to, it's not going to translate. So having somebody oversee consistency of the sales process, yeah. almost the way that you, you look at a manufacturing process, making sure that there's quality control from how you approach the customer to how you, uh, you know, do a needs analysis to how you fill those needs to overcome objections. You need to have that button down and have an audited way of making sure that what Barbara designed for us is great, but it's being implemented in the field. Right. It's that implementation, the follow through. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yep. So yeah, I've, I've, I've dealt with a couple of clients who've been in an interesting situation and have decided it, it's fairly a commodity item. So they know they're just going to go to distribution because they don't want to have to deal with it and that sort of thing. So um, people might wonder out in uh, listening land, what are those, what do those fees kind of look up? look like. And so this was a very well-informed infrastructure that this uh, client had. And they said, we're willing to give up the 30%, you know, what it might take. So it's not a a small load that you have to, Mm -hmm. you know, give. Now, others, especially those in outside the U.S. who are trying to come in, there are now companies that actually will set up and they'll be your address. They'll be your warehouse. They'll be the distributor. They'll be your customer service. They'll be everything for you so that you have a presence in the U.S. There's a company called Curo, K-U-R-O, that we've been exposed with a little bit. And they do that. And there's others that do those sorts of things. So if no one's ever heard of a type of service like that, you can at least get an idea what kind of things they do. And so there's a lot of different value propositions and ROI you can put together based on distribution, with or without GPO, uh, non-distribution, doing things yourself. There's just a variety of different ways, but you have to understand what they all are. I think it's really interesting. I think the two big takeaways from, from this podcast and the last one we talked about with GPOs is the misnomer, misunderstanding that once I get the agreement, it's gravy, right? My job is done. It's just the money just filters through. And I think it's key for everybody, whether domestic, international, wherever they are creating a new product. I think it has to be the understanding that no matter what it is, the contract is only the first phase of the rest of the hard work, right? There's still a lot more hard work to do from there, whether it's 
selling those many those, those distributor reps to really talk and move your product, going to the IDNs, going to the customers directly, creating your own pull through, whatever it may be. But there's no easy street. And I think that misnomer needs to be cleared up, whether it's GPO or distributor. Absolutely. So yeah. We're getting to the, to the end um, of the of the time. Do we want a quick round robin? Any parting thoughts on distribution or GPOs or anything else that's that's on your mind today? Yeah, I have clients or people say, "Gee, I want to get into healthcare," and, and I think we've said it more than once. Not for the faint of heart. You have to understand so many different things from payers and reimbursement and what your providers are really needing and how to fill those gaps and everything from how do I get the product actually there and what's all involved. And then we haven't even talked about uh, sustainability and environment and climate control, you know, all those sorts of things. So a lot of podcast information we can have for a long time. So yes, yeah, uh, learn what you need to know in order to be successful. Cool. Skinder, any, any parting thoughts from your side? Just invest the time on the front end and be honest with yourself, right? Do the voice of customer work, do the value prop analysis, make sure you're checking all that stuff. Don't skimp, that's not a place to skimp out um, and and think, oh, well, no, I know this sector well, they're gonna love my product because it, it sets you up for the wrong strategy and that just becomes a domino effect of failure. Mr. Ziploc King? So I would say that Choosing a distributor is like choosing a partner in marriage. You better be really careful that your values are in line, that, you know, that the brand is consistent with your brand, that you're proud of your partner, that, and that they have the knowledge and the relationships. And it's very well defined what you're looking for in a partner and that they meet those expectations, number one. And also like a marriage that, you know, you you earn it every day. You're in that relationship. You have to be there present every day. You have to be working together. And it's not just, hey, you're carrying my stuff. Good luck. And I expect big numbers. It's going to be a team effort to deliver the results that you both are ex expecting. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't be said better. Skinner, I think you had a couple things you wanted to. Yeah, just two quick things. I just wanted to say uh, real quick, a uh, quick shout out to Ted Newell. Um, we're all thinking about you, Ted, and we miss you and can't wait to have you back on here. Uh, God bless you and hope you're Hope you're healing well. Can't wait to have you back. And uh, finally, uh, one of the off, off screen, off voice people that helps put this all together. It's his birthday tomorrow. So just want to wish, uh, wish Michael Lane a very happy birthday. Hey, uh, happy birthday, Michael. Great job, happy Michael. birthday. Yeah. Are we going to sing too, or is that? No. We'll no. spare everybody, well, including him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. All right. Well, um, this has been great. I think, as always, I enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully, if you're listening or watching this, um, you have as well. You'll realize that um, if you have Ziplocs, Ziploc bags, and you need somebody to help you sell them, <laughs> Mike Sperduti, Mike Sperduti at sellzipplocbags.com is the email address. Hashtag, and, uh, hashtag Ziploc King. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, thanks so much for the time, everybody. It's been great, and uh, hope you have a great week. And we'll be back here next week. Great job. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, mm -hmm. everybody. Understanding how to choose a distributor, the different types, and speaking the language is key to the effective movement of your product. 
You need to know early whether you're dealing with box movers or market makers so that you can get the most bang for your buck with the least resistance. Tune in next week and continue to earn your MedTech MBA with the MedTech Business Academy.